Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, I'm Mark Schwarzer and welcome to a bonus episode of the Optus Sport Football Podcast, where myself and Jay Bothroyd look ahead to the new season of the J-League, which starts this weekend on Optus Sport. Jay, welcome. Um, you spent six years in the J-League. Um, tell us, who did you play for and how did you get, how did you get on in the league? Okay, so uh, I played for two teams while I was there. I played for Jubilo Iwata and Consadore Sapporo. Um, and to be honest, it was a it was a f- kind of a funny situation. Um, I was in Thailand. Um, things didn't work out there purely for the fact that I just felt for where I was with my age, being 30, 31, I just wanted to to go and play at a high standard. Um, so myself uh, and my wife, we went to, to Tokyo and we ha- had a look there and we stayed there for about two weeks, watched a few games and, you know, we just decided there and then like, listen, we can live in this city. This city is unbelievable. Um, and it was very respectful, very clean, very safe. The food is great. Um, and that's when we decided to go. Um, I had, you know, multiple conversations with a lot of clubs. So I went to a team called Jubilo Iwata, um, whose main sponsor is Yamaha. So they could pay me um, similar money to what I was getting when I was playing in England. So for me, it made sense. Like, I'm going to a big team that has history. So Dunga played for them. Scalacci played for them. Um, they, I think, I think they'd just been renegated and they wanted to bounce back. So for me, there was um, an element of, okay, I can hit the ground running here. I can solidify myself and, and create you know, a brand for myself when I go there. So I ended up signing for, for Jubilo and... You know, we got promotion in our first season. It was it was great. Um, I got top goal scorers were in the league, which was unbelievable. Um, and and I think me going there and in, in embracing the culture, the way of life, um, all my teammates. I didn't go there with ego. You know, if, if players you know wanted some advice from me, young players. And to be honest, some of the young players I worked with at Jubilo are now playing um, in the European leagues. Um, it, 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 I, I would give that to them, but I just wanted to go there and I had one job, which was promotion. Once I got promotion, then I could really go and show what I'm all about in, in, in J1. But it, it was a, a great start for me going to Jubilo in, in J2, to be honest. What, what made it so kind of, it sounds effortless, right? It sounds like the transition was quite effortless and not easy because it never is. You make it look easy, right? But what what was the thing that made your stay and made you fit in and hit the ground running so 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 quickly? Well, to be honest, when I it's funny because when I first went there, I was like, I got there and they was like, "This is your translator," and I was like, "Oh, okay." So you don't want me to learn the language? And they was like, "No, um, we want you to concentrate on football. The language is um, too hard. You're probably not going to learn it for a long, long time. There's no point in you even trying." This is your translator. He will be with you on the the training field, in the games. He'll be on the bench. Anytime you need help, you know, he's a phone call away, anything. So I was like, okay, then, you know, all I've got to do now is is focus on my football. 
Um, and he was really helpful, though, to be honest. I mean, this guy, his name's George. He could speak like seven languages, but he was really helpful because I would always ask questions. I was very, you know, I, I need information. You know, so I go to Japan. I'm living in Japan now. I'll be like, can I say this? Can I say that? Can I do this? What can I do? What can I do? Um, and, and I just try to live like a Japanese person would live, you know, as a, as a, as a foreigner. Um, and I think that part they really appreciated and that's why they welcomed me. They invited me to nights out, you know, and I'd have to say to the translator, listen, the players are asking me to go out, you know, <laughs> you need to come with me. Otherwise I'm, I'm going to sit in the corner and be drinking a beer by myself, you know? <laughs> so like they was, they, they, he, he always came out and, and that Karaoke? was fantastic. Yeah, you know that. Karaoke, karaoke is a big part of the, the Japanese culture. You, you go for a meal, then you go karaoke, then you go to the bar. Um, and, and that's the way it was. But it was it was really good to go there. I mean, the fact that we was up there from the beginning, I scored uh, I scored two on my debut. Um, it was it was really, really enjoyable. And I think that's the reason why I hit the ground running, because I embraced myself into their culture and, and they they appreciated that. I was at uh, when I was at Leicester. I played with Shinji uh, Okasaki, and and obviously he's a big name Japanese player. He was playing for the national team. Yeah, yeah there were yeah. always, firstly, always media, always Japanese media at training at the uh, at match day. But there are also a lot of Japanese fans. They are yeah. pretty fanatical, aren't they, about football? Yeah, I mean that's the one thing that I believe is better than the Premier League. Weirdly enough, and I think is from the point of view. I don't think it's as hostile, but the thing I like about the Japanese crowds is it's very safe, very family orientated, very respectful. You know, I, I haven't got to worry about some some guy standing up shouting over my kid's head, you effing this, you effing that. It just doesn't happen. Um, so I, I think in that respect, you know, the, the, the stadiums are sold out. But, I mean, you can see... I, I, in terms of, you know, when we spoke to Phil earlier, him being a Tottenham fan, me an Arsenal fan, like there was literally fans sitting together from two different teams, but they're respectful. They're laughing together. They're, you know, they're sharing a beer with each other. Um, so I think the crowd, they, was, there was a great atmosphere. And obviously it was the World Cup stadiums, a lot of the stadiums. And um, so a lot of the teams are still using those. Um, and there were some really good, fierce rivalries, but in a respectful manner. And I think that was, I think that's the model that the European game can take from Japan because the fans are always respectful within the stadium to people. Nice. Uh, how good is the league and what is it rate? How, what would you compare it with in Europe? Right now, I would probably put it... I think it's similar to Serie A, I would say, now. Um, because I think they've got technical players. I think that they are very tactical and organised. Um but I think the, the biggest thing that I see with the Japanese teams is that there's still a lot of players that don't want to step out of their comfort zone and leave Japan because, you know, Japanese is only spoken in Japan and it's really difficult for Japanese people to learn, you know, English and Spanish or, or, or something like that. It's completely different, right? Um, and even now, like when, when I've come across, um, footballers playing, you know, I spoke to, you, you would know Okasaki. Um, when I spoke to him, he said he found it really difficult initially. Um, is a complete culture shock for, for those, you know, for Japanese people to come to England. Um, the diet, obviously the food is completely different as well. Um, but I think 
I think overall the 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 experience that I had in in Japan, I wouldn't swap it for anything. Um, football wise, I think the technical players over there is I think it's just un, uh, you know people don't believe it when people when I come back to Japan, I mean to England now, and they say to me, "What was football like in Japan?" And I say, "Listen, the players there are really good," and they're like, "Yeah, but you played there. Is that why you're saying it?" And I'm like, "No, really, these players are good." Like as in there was you know European players that came over like Iniesta, Sampa, Podolski, uh, Vermaelen, um, Forlan, and it wasn't it wasn't easy for them. You know, it's not like you just step into the team and say, "Yeah, you know, you're going to be the best player because you've had a great career in Europe." It wasn't like that at all. These players are very technical. They they they've got um, they're very obedient on the pitch, um, and Angel tell you that um, a lot. I've I've had lunches with Ainge um, and we've met up in Tokyo a few times and he said one of the best qualities that Japanese players actually have is yes they're technical yes they got speed and they're nippy but they're very obedient if you say to a player listen you need to occupy this side I don't need you to move from there I want you to keep width they're not going to come inside they're going to stay there um, and a lot of managers I think in this day and age you see people like Pep Pep loves that he needs you to be disciplined he needs you to keep that width in his team and and that's one thing that, that that they do do really well. Do you think the league's underrated? Yeah, I do think the league's very underrated. Um, I think a lot of, especially the bigger teams, I would probably say, if you say that the top five, six teams in the J-League, um, they could they could easily mix it in, you know, the European leagues. I'd probably say that the, you know, top two could maybe step into the Premier League. I don't think they'd be like a, a top 10 team, but they could be there or thereabouts because of their technical ability. Um, but I think it's very underrated. And I would agree with you, Mark. I, I think it's the best league in Asia for sure. Um, why should Optus Sports subscribers tune in to watch the J-League? Again, I think the, the players there are technical. I think that the, there's a lot of European players going there now um, because they understand how good the, the league is, that the stadiums are really good, very organised, very professional. I think the league is very competitive as well. Um you know, you there, there was a few times teams have come up from J2 and actually won J1. And that's because the league is so competitive. There's not big transfer fees. So a lot of the players that, you know, come into this, come from university into your team will stay there for the duration of their contract and then move on free transfers. Um, I think that's really, um, I think that's really a really good part of the league as well because it keeps everyone competitive. Um, you know, one league, you might be really good and then players might get to a point where they're out of contract. Those players leave, and then all of a sudden, those teams that are not so good still have their good players, and then they can kind of pick the teams that were good. Um, so I think that is really good, and I think that keeps the league exciting. You, you don't really know who's going to you know, win the league before you start. Even you look at Kobe. Kobe won the league last year, but the season before that, they was at the bottom. Um, and then all of a sudden, overnight, they're at the top now, and they've won. So they keep it very competitive. I think there's a good... Um, element of you know the way they bring players in because they don't throw money at players you know they sell their club they sell their ambition they sell the manager for example um, so I think I think that's good and then obviously the players that you you I think is a, I think you could see the best players that are playing in the J League now you'll see them in the in, in the European leagues in about you know two three years because that's how good these players are now. What teams are we looking out for? We're going to look out for the usual in terms of Yokohama, been in the top three in the last two, or top two in the last three seasons. Uh, Kawasaki Frontale. Who who are the teams for you for this coming J-League season that you'd be looking out for? 
Um, I would be looking out for Kashima Antlers. Um, they finished fifth, but they always seem to bring through good youth players, or they bring through they bring back the players that they've had in Europe. Um, I would look out for them. I think they're going to be strong this year. Yes, Kobe and Marinos, you know, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, I think Marinos will have pressure. Harry Q will have pressure on him because Ainge was there, done really well. Then Kevin Muscat, yeah, he 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 done well there as well. Um, obviously, I know Kevin. I, I used, when I was playing now, I was bantering him. I said to him, you know, I've got a few scars from you on my leg still. Um, <laughs> I think, I think like, everyone who gets like, Kevin has, uh, has uh, scars from him. Exactly. He, to be honest, he was like, yeah, I feel really embarrassed about that. I'm sorry. Um, but no, he, he's, a, he's a top man. Um, so I think there's going to be, you know, some pressure on on, on Harry Kuehl going there. Um, but they've still got some of the best players in the league. Um, I, another one of my own team, my old teammates, Anderson Lopez. I used to play an attack with him. Um, he he was joint top goal scorer last year. I think he scored 22, 22 goals. I think he scored. Um, he's always a threat, very good on the ball. Um, he's got an eye for goal. Um, so they're going to be there or thereabouts. But I would say, if I was to talk about the teams that I think could go and win the league, apart from obviously Marinos and Kobe, I would probably go with Hiroshima, who finished third, and Kashima. Um, in terms of Kawasaki, Kawasaki were the best team for many years, uh, like uh, pretty much the whole time I was in the league, they was probably the best team. Um, but I think they're going for a transitional stage now. Um, and they, th- those young, them gr- really good young players that they had have gone and the ones that have stayed, you know, they've aged now. Um, so I think that they're finding it difficult, but I think it's a tr- transitional stage for them now. Now we've got a couple of Aussies, obviously, in the league. You mentioned Harry Kuehl. Uh Pete Klamotsky is at uh, FC Tokyo. He did really, really well at his previous club, Montendio Yamagata, um, mm. in the in the, the J2. Uh, got him up, um, well, into the promotional playoffs. Saved him from relegation. Got him into the, into the promotional playoffs. Did incredibly well. Highest win percentage in the club's history. And he was the first ever foreign coach. So it's a big, big test for him. Uh, now at FC Tokyo in J1 this next season. Mitchell Duke and Mitch Langerak, you've come up against both of those players. Um, yeah. What did you think of him? And Mitch, Mitchell Duke obviously came from J2 last season. Uh, his team, uh, Mashida Zelvia, got uh, promoted. He hasn't got a good record in J1. Um, I mean, like we said, sometimes it's difficult to adjust to the, first of all, the club you're at. Um and, you know, your surroundings. But, you know, I, I spoke to Dukey a few times, obviously playing against him and whatnot. Obviously, we both speak English. Everyone that speaks English will speak English to each other because you don't really hear it that often once you're there. So, you know, we had, we spoke, I think, when I when I played against him, he was at Shimizu. Um, I'm not sure if he was involved in a game, actually, where um, I think we beat him like 5-2 or something like that, and I scored a hat-trick. And I went to collect the ball off the, the referee and they said, uh, no, that Shamiza don't want to, they're not giving away their match ball because um, <laughs> you celebrated too much. No way. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like oh, all right then. So I went and got another ball and I just got everyone to sign that. But I think he, he was definitely, I think he was involved in that game. Um, but it's not always easy for for players to go in and go into a team, especially like Shimizu. They wasn't at the top of the league. They wasn't even in the middle. There was a, like, a team that was at the bottom. Even though they were a big team, they got a massive a massive budget. They had one of the biggest budgets in the J League, um, but they just didn't have the players. Um, and think, I think for Juki, they they was playing him as a striker. They played him as a wide player on the left and the right, and it just didn't it just didn't work out for him at the time. 
Um, and obviously now he went to a different club and it has worked out for him. And, you know, hopefully he'll come in the J, J, into the J in J1 and he'll hit the ground running with a team that he's been playing well with. The team know him, the manager knows him, he knows them. So he knows what's expected of him. They know what he's capable of. So I think it will probably be better this time around for him. How did you find the uh, the step up from promotion from J2 to J1? You mentioned beforehand, like teams from J2 have gone on and won in J1. So are you yeah. saying that it's pretty even between the two leagues? Yeah, definitely. That's that's what I'm saying. That's one thing. That's the reason why it's an exciting league. That's why a lot of the Aussie fans that like J-League football should, should watch both J2 and J1 um, if they can. Um, because that is literally what it's like. You know, you... You go and win the league. Like we won, we we um, finished uh, at the top, and we went into J one, and then obviously uh, we hit the ground running, and we was beating teams. I think we finished like tenth or eleventh the first season or ninth mid table, but we had a really good season, and we was beating teams. We had that confidence that we took from J two into J one. We 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 had some additions, but not like no. No, no, no one coming to our starting eleven. We didn't purchase any players. We just like brought players in to to make the squad better. But it's definitely a possibility that you can come into the J one and and you know hit the ground running and be one of the teams that you're up there. Yeah, and I think that's the quality. And I think that's one of the great things about about Japanese football is that the reason why they can do that is because they they a lot of the Japanese teams don't have a youth system, so you won't really see any 16, 17, 18-year-olds coming into your team. When they do come, they're coming from university, so they're 21, 22 years old. So they've still got that physicality. They haven't got that kind of boyish body that a 16, 17, 18-year-old would have. They're still, they come into the league, they're physical, but it's just that experience part. But that's the thing. So a lot of these players will come from the, the universities in certain areas that are better than others, and they will have those players, and then they'll come into the first team and then boost the, the the team's performances and help with the promotion. I'm sure that's what's happened with Zelvia. Now they'll go up into the, the J League, and hopefully they continue continue what they've been doing in J Two. We found out earlier on um, in the regular Optusport. Uh, football podcast that you've never scored against me and in fact our record of four games I've won two you've won one and one draw so I've won <laughs> you a lot forget about that there, now, are you? <laughs> I'm not going to let that stat go ever and that will never leave my head um, you've come up against a fellow Aussie in Mitch Langerak um, who's at Nagoya Grampus you have scored against him though I mean that's that's impressive because I mean he's record he's setting records left right and center I've got, got a few against him I think there you go I, I, so you're even I enjoyed playing against, yeah I enjoyed playing against uh, Nagoya to be honest, I mean, and, but he's he, got the record record clean sheets in a season. He's, he had seventeen clean sheets in the twenty twenty season. Record time without conceding a goal was eight hundred and twenty three yeah. minutes in the twenty one season. That equates to thirteen hours and forty three minutes. I mean, that is it's, it's that is impressive. Yeah. Um, he's now he's got over two hundred J League appearances, and he's now for this season captain of Nagoya Grampus. Um, he's he's highly regarded in Japan, isn't he? Yeah, I, let me just talk about him as a person. As a person, he's such a, a nice guy. We always spoke before the game. We always spoke after the game. He's, you know, he's, he's always, even when I scored against him, even when we won the games, he was always, you know, having a laugh with me afterwards and, and chatting with me. He's like, you know, I can't believe you scored that goal and blah, blah, blah. He's such a nice person, but he's, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, to be honest, he's, he's the kind of goalkeeper that I wouldn't be surprised if someone in Europe come and got him. 
because he's that good. Um, and he's one of the reasons why Nagoya has been so successful because when I was there, Nagoya didn't go and beat teams like 3, 4, 5 nil. They would win games 1 nil, 2 1. And a lot of that is because of him. They had some good defenders, don't get me wrong, but a lot of a lot of their success came from him being in goal and keeping those clean sheets. Um, so he, he deserves a lot of credit. Like you said, now he's a captain of the club and they're a huge club as well, Nagoya. Um, they're one of the biggest, again, financially in uh, in, in Japan because their their main sponsor is Toyota. Um, so they're, they're able to bring in players and give people a lot of money. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't, you know, not talking about money, but he deserves every penny he gets. And I'm sure he'll be one of the highest paid players in the league. Another Aussie is Thomas Deng, who's playing at Alberic Nigata. They finished 10th last season. He played 26 games of the season, so he's going to be part to play as well. Another uh, challenging season for him ahead, I'm sure. Um, who? What team are you supporting this season, Jay? I have to support my old teams, don't I? So Jubilo's in the league this year and, and Hokkaido Sapporo. I'm supporting them. To be honest, uh, I think I think Sapporo are going to struggle this year. They've The best players have left. Um, and it was literally like their best players. Um, Kanako, he's gone to Dynamo Zagreb, and like I said, Shunta Tanaka's gone to Cerezo, and um, Shiyoshi's gone to FC Tokyo. So I think they're going to really struggle. Um, they brought back a forward that I used to play with there called Musashi. He's come back now. He was on. He he went to. He was at Gamba Osaka, and they they didn't have a great time. There was they finished down there at the bottom somewhere. Um, but he always looked at um, Sapporo as a team that he'd like to come back and play in the future. He did go to Europe, but it didn't work out there. He was in the Belgian league, uh, I believe, um, and it didn't work out. But now he's back at Sapporo. I think he's got you know big boots to fill because he doesn't have those kind of players that are going to give him the service that he had before. Um, so I think I think Sapporo will struggle. I mean, hopefully they don't. And I love Sapporo as a club. Um, I love the backroom staff there, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough for them this year. Um, and then Jubilo Jubilo came up, so you know I'm 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 excited to see what they're gonna do. I, I don't really know um, the players because I didn't really watch much um, J two football last year, um, but I'm I'm excited to see what they're gonna do. Um, standard mate, got to got to support your old clubs, haven't you? I'm lo- I'm looking forward to seeing Yokohama Mariners again. Obviously, they're a bit of an adopted Aussie Aussie yeah. team these days with. Uh, uh, you know, with Ange, with uh, Muskie and now Harry H in charge. Obviously for H, it's his biggest job of his career. Um, massive challenge and big boots to fill. So I'm really going to be watching out for that. Pete Komotsky has done really, really well since he's uh, gone as a head manager. And of course, Mitchell Duke, great guy. Um, love to see how he does well. Hopefully he does really well this season. Thomas Jiang, lovely, lovely guy as well. So hopefully he continues to play well. And of course, I'm going to say I've got more of a soft spot for Mitch Langerak and Nagoya Grampos uh, being a fellow goalkeeper. And like you mentioned earlier before, he's a top guy. How- and I still think he should be involved with the national team. Anyway, that's my rant over. How, how old is he now? Because do you, do you think that he, has he still got the time to go to play a, a bigger club in Europe? You know what? He started off in Europe. He, he was over in Europe early on in his career, Borussia Dortmund. Then from there, he went to Falfbe Stuttgart in the second division, did really, really well. They got promoted to the Bundesliga and then um, they they brought in another goalkeeper and replaced him. And he ended up a short stint in Spain that didn't work out. And I, I I don't know. I get the feeling that he's found his home and he's 
really happy and his family and he seems to have adapted to life in Japan really well. And I think it works really well. I mean, he's 35 years old now. I yeah. just don't really see him moving from where he is. Yeah. Maybe moving back to Australia one day and playing in the A-League. Um, but I think uh, certainly when he wants to play at the highest level where he is right now in the J-League, I think he'll stay there as long as he possibly can. And like you said earlier on, Nagoya's made him, and I mentioned you know, Nagoya's made him captain. So there's a lot of respect there and he's broken records left, right and centre. And I don't think there's any reason for him to, to look to play anywhere else. I don't the think the records will get broken again, to be honest. I think the records are that good. I don't think they're going to get broken. Very impressive. Anywhere. It doesn't matter where it is. I mean, that's incredibly impressive. And, I, and I've said it for, I've been begging up for a number of seasons now. Um, he's probably, I would say he's been our most informed goalkeeper in any league around the world uh, for a number of seasons now. Unfortunately for the national team, it just didn't quite work out for him. Um, but like I said, I'll I'll uh, I think, I'll say it again. Well, he should be still involved. Well, one thing I would say I forgot to say about uh, about Japanese football. I think one thing I do really really like is the fact that they don't look at age as a hindrance. So they'll keep as long as you keep performing, they'll keep giving you deals. Whereas you know in Europe, as you know, like as soon as you get into your thirties, mid thirties, they're saying we'll give you a one year deal. We'll give you a one year deal. Whereas in 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 Japan, they don't do that. They reward you for what you have done and they'll give you like a two-year deal or they might give you a three-year deal and um, i think that's important i think you could you can really enjoy the latter part of your career in any position if you go to japan and you do well they'll keep rewarding with you with contracts and i think that's important because everyone wants security when they play football especially when you're living abroad if, if you if you're on a year to year contract living abroad you know you, you never really can say i feel content i feel like even if i get an injury I've still got a contract. Whereas you go to Japan and they give you that. As long as you perform, they'll keep giving you new contracts regardless of your age. And that's important. I retired at 39 and I got offered another two-year deal. The only reason why I turned it down is because my they I wasn't able to have my son living with me. And, you know, I've had a 23-year career. So for me, it got to a point where, yes, I love the game, um, but I've achieved everything I want to achieve. Um I've been fortunate that I never had no injuries that stopped me. Um, there were still teams that wanted me, but ultimately it got to a point where, you know, my family needs me now and I have to be there for my family. If I was younger, you know, you have that tunnel vision when you're young. Nothing really, nothing matters. The only thing that matters is my career and me doing well and achieving my dreams. But as you get older, you know, responsibility comes in, life happens, and then you have to start thinking of other things. So for me, even at 39 years old, they were still offering me contracts. And it was me that said no. And ultimately, I retired from the game. And I said I would. I said, you know, from when I went to um, Sapporo, I said, this is going to be my last club. I'm going to stay here because that's how much I love the city. That's how much I love the club. And that's how much respect I had for the club because I didn't want to go and play for another club. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Jay, for your insight um, your, on your experiences as well in Japan and the J-League, uh, which, of course, is starting this weekend and it's live on Optus Sport. Um, so make sure you tune in. And I hope you've uh, enjoyed this uh, special edition of the Optus Sport Football Podcast. The new season of the J-League is coming to Optus Sport. And it's absolutely magnificent. This is more than just football. This is culture. 20 clubs will fight for the title. Now this might come for the shot. Oh, brilliant! Two Aussie coaches in charge. Flash one in. Brilliant goal. February 23, J-League. Watch it live on Off The Sport.